What about the fish bones? Let's chew it over today on Christian Snacks. Christian Snacks is all about serving up God's Word with delicious, fun-sized discussions ranging from cultural topics of what's trending to the origins of everything. So, sit down, share a bite, and tune in for an all-new tasty topic right here on Christian Snacks. Welcome to an all-new episode of Christian Snacks. Today we're going to be chewing over something big, especially for Christ followers here in the United States. So let me ask you a question. What is referenced, remembered, and anticipated by Christians throughout the United States and by Christians all over the world? Let me give you a hint. This word is part of our cultural iconography, complete with Big Tents and Billy Graham-style preaching. Can you think of the word? Can you guess what we're talking about? If you guessed revival, ding, 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 you are correct. Folks, we want revival in this country. And for those of you who guessed Jesus instead of revival, as in the return of Jesus, being referenced, remembered, and anticipated by Christians throughout the United States and all over the world, let me just say that I hear you. But I want revival more. And I'm going to tell you why. I want revival first because the more people who are ready for when Jesus does come, then the more people that we're going to share eternity with. And I think that's a huge part of our Christian commission. In fact, some would say that's what the Christian life after being saved is all about, is making sure that people come to heaven. And so I do hope that Jesus tarries. That's important to me because I hope he tarries because I want more people to be saved. In fact, I have a question for you. Is it more Christian of a believer to be saved or to save? Let me ask it a different way. Would it be more Christ-like for a Christian to prepare and anticipate the second coming of Christ? So I prepare and anticipate. So still studying the Word, maintaining a scheduled prayer program, making their tithes, and but overall just waiting because they're saying to themselves, hey, with this coronavirus thing going on, you know, the return of Jesus can't be too far off. Or would it be more Christ-like to now more than ever before pick up your mantle of responsibility and, and evangelize with a sense of urgency and fervor? And that could save countless others before Christ returns. Well, for those of you playing along, it's the second one. And of course it's the second one. If you're a Christian, you should want what God wants. God sent his son so not one person may have to perish. In fact, when we read John 3.16, which is really the entire gospel message in a single verse, I think, um, we really get that picture that no one has to perish. John 3.16 is written, For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only Son, that whomsoever shall believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. So there's a reason God sent his Son. And as Christians, 
it's very important for us to take that seriously. And we need to take the idea of revival in general or overall seriously. But we also have to take the idea of revival seriously, not only because God says so, but in another way. And what do I mean by that? Yes, we have to take it seriously because God says so, but we also have to take it seriously because of a little word called accuracy. So what do I mean by that? Well, let me say it this way. Last week, CBN News, which is the Christian Broadcasting Network, released an article. Now, it's still up on the website, and it's a pretty good article, so I encourage you to read it, titled, it's on CBN News, Pastor Greg Laurie predicts a spiritual awakening despite churches not meeting in person. Now, I'm not going to read you an expert excerpt of this because I think the title says it all. Greg Laurie is predicting a spiritual awakening online. That's what he means when he says despite churches not meeting in person. And that's why accuracy is going to be center stage of what we're talking about today. And I'm going to give you the bottom line here in a minute. But before I do, let me just say that I think it could happen. I think we could see a spiritual awakening happen online, or at least the beginning of one. And why do I say that? I say that because the figures are already showing it. For example, my church, Lakeshore Assembly of God in Menor, Ohio, we have had content with several hundred more views than when we would have people in the pews. In other words, say we normally would have around 100 folks in a pew on a Sunday. We'll have 400 views of a sermon online. So I yes, that's 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 one of the stats that says I could see this happening online. Um, not only that though, but other churches are reporting similar numbers. I mean, the church website activity around the United States during this quarantine has absolutely skyrocketed. And hours of content are being streamed more than ever before. So there has been absolutely an explosion in terms of Christian content being consumed. So this, this brings me to that idea that yes, it could happen. Yes, we could have a spiritual awakening or the beginning of a revival because of online Christian content. But my question to you is, is that a good thing? Well, I would say yes and no. But why? Why yes and why no? Well, yes, it's, it's good because online Christian content opens the floodgates of heaven in terms of reaching people with the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's key and elemental in the Christian walk is reaching people with the good news of Jesus Christ. So Jesus says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. John chapter 6, verse 44. So yes, online provides us with global reach and a limitless archive capacity for content. And that's a good thing. And that's where the Father can draw people to Christ through that content, which is a very good thing. But what about the bad? It circles back to that word, accuracy. 
That's the bad, is accuracy. And I'm going to give you an illustration in just a second. Before I do, 1 Thessalonians 5.21 says, But test them all. Hold on to what is good. In other words, eat the fish and spit out the bones. But what if I were talking about a person who has never eaten fish before? In other words, somebody who's never heard the word of God before. So what do I mean by that? All right, well, I'm not going to say the name of this preacher in this reference that I'm about to give you. But what I mean when I say folks don't know or might not have ever heard enough about the gospel to know the difference between the meat, the, the, the part of the gospel that is going to feed you and edify you, versus the bones, the part of the message if it's a false prophet or simply a prophet who's making a mistake or goofed and made it made a genuine you know mistake in their sermon and those bones can choke out your christian walk and that's that's what i mean when i say uh, i'm worried about the accuracy and i'm concerned about people you know eating the meat and not spitting out the bones so this pastor in his illustration, I'm going to say one more thing before I give the illustration, is I don't think that this pastor in particular was attempting to be a false teacher. I'm going to go on record and say that. I don't think this pastor's purpose or goal was for people to choke on the bones. But it's important that we talk about it because it's a very well-known example. In fact, this example has gone around numerous times as a soundbite on every single social media network that I have. And no doubt you may very well have seen this soundbite either on like an Instagram or a Facebook or YouTube or something like that. Or somebody may have directly shared it to you via email. And this, uh, this is how it goes. I'm going to just give you a summary. Okay. This pastor says, if your child was in the hospital and you needed to get there, there being the hospital, you would break the speed limit you would skip the stop sign, and you would run the red light. Okay? So he's, he's in effect saying what he's saying is, you're going to do whatever it takes to save your child by whatever means are necessary. And he goes on to say very passionately that you would break the law to save your child. So the clip goes on to make a connection between God sending Jesus to redeem, which is true, and that is correct. But then concludes, this pastor concludes in a crescendo of repeatedly stating again and again that Jesus broke the law to make us right with God. And at first, it, it sounds so right, but in fact, it is so wrong. Now listen, if you shared this message on Facebook or social media as well, or you received it and you thought this was really cool, I don't think that makes you a bad Christian. What I think that makes you is more aware, if you're listening to this podcast, of what can happen when something sounds so right, but it in fact is so wrong. And uh, it's not really biblical at all. In fact, Jesus came to fulfill the law. He, He did not come to break it. Let me be very clear about that. In John Chapter 19, verse 28, the Gospel of John, 19:28. as Jesus is dying on the cross, okay, John 19, 28, very short verse, Jesus says, 
or this is written, After this, Jesus knew that everything had been done, so that the scripture would come true. In other words, Jesus knew that everything had been finished or completed, and so that... uh, so that the scripture would come true, which means so that the scripture would be fulfilled. The only thing Jesus did after he said this in John 19, 28, the only thing he had left to do was drink the bitter wine, which I believe was Psalm 22, um, that can confirm that scripture. He simply had to drink the bitter wine or the vinegar, as some translations will say. So Jesus did not come to break the law. Rather, he came to complete the law. This is... Why I'm referencing fish bones, eating the fish and spitting out the bones. Why is it important for believers to know this difference? Well, 1 John, so no, no longer the Gospel of John, but 1 John, chapter 4, verses 1 through 4, says this. Let me grab my Bible here. So, my dear friends, or beloved, many false prophets have gone out into the world. So do not believe every spirit. So that means do not trust every spirit. Okay, but test the spirits to see if they are from God. This is how you can know, in other words, how you can recognize God's spirit. Every spirit who confesses or acknowledges that Jesus came to earth as a human, in other words, in the flesh, is from God. Verse 3, and every spirit who refuses to say this about Jesus, so they do not confess it and they do not acknowledge Jesus in this way, is not from God. It is the spirit of the enemy of Christ. So that would be the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and now is already in the world. So there's a lot talking about the Antichrist being in the world. There's many uh, theories out there that say there is an Antichrist ready in every generation, just so you know. First uh, John, John chapter 4, verse 4. My dear children, you belong to God. In other words, you are from God. And have defeated the Antichrists. In other words, you have conquered or overcome them because God's Spirit who is in you is greater than the devil who is in the world. In other words, that which is in you is greater than that which is in the world. So when we're reading 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 4, we're seeing very quickly uh, that it's important to know the difference between a true teacher and a false teacher. Not only that, but if Greg Laurie, if what Greg Laurie is saying is true, if we have the potential to have an online revival or spiritual awakening or at least the beginning of it and I'm going to I'm going to approach that here in just a moment and as to why I think you can't have a full revival online I think you can have the beginning of it online but I don't I don't think you could have the whole thing I, I don't I'm going to say why in a minute but you have to know the difference first of all as a Christian you have to know the difference between true teaching and false teaching So how do we approach this? Because we're really looking at two sides of the same coin as Christians. First of all, we are commissioned by Jesus himself to go and make disciples of all the nations. But 1 John says many false prophets have gone out into the world. So we know there will be false teachings. So what do we do? Or, Or what should we do? And how do we fix this? Because first of all, I know 
there have been false teachers for centuries. And I know there's always someone looking to take advantage of others. So what do we do? Do we shrug it off and, and just sigh? Do we pump out more quote-unquote true teachings, which, I mean, I don't want to say quote-unquote, but true teachings, right? We, we just simply overwhelm the system with true teachings and get rid of the bad ones, I guess, by default, or, or bury them? Do we simply pray? I'm asking you because Scripture says it's a problem we're going to encounter. Is this obligation as Christians and this desire to reach out with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to our family and friends with these false teachers? And this is the problem Greg Laurie presents in his article, in my opinion, this is the problem, with online preaching. So scripture says this is a problem. Let me ask you this. Have you ever thought that God has postponed revival until his people are ready? God may have postponed revival until his people are ready to shepherd a new flock of believers. It's something to think about. I think we need to ask ourselves, you and I, I think we need to ask ourselves if we truly are prepared to disciple these new believers as they come in and get them to spit out the fish bones of false teaching, and maybe the fish all together, depending on how rotten the teaching was. So what do I mean by that? I mean, we, we need to know the difference first, okay, as we just said. What's true teaching? What's polluted? What is Christian? What is a knockoff? We need to know according to the Bible. Why? Malachi 3.18 says, So you will see the difference between the righteous and the wicked, between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve Him. And I'll ask you again, have you ever considered that God has postponed revival until His people are ready to shepherd a flock of new believers? It's very important. I think there's so often when people, Christians, I'm talking to you, talking to myself, when we sit there and we say, God, please expand my territory. I want, I want to get people saved to Christ. I want to spread the good news. And then our new neighbor moves in next door and all we can do is complain about him. We want him to leave right away. But that's an opportunity. Are we missing it? Or we see, you know, something happening online. Oh, that's not very Christ-like. I'm not, I'm not going to engage in that. Is that a missed opportunity? Are we ready in our hearts? Truly. We pray, we say we are, but are we truly ready as God's people to shepherd a flock of new believers? Maybe, maybe that's why God hasn't brought revival yet. Let me circle back. Now I said, I stated earlier, just a moment ago, that I, I could see the beginning of revival happening online, but I cannot anticipate it continuing online because this very reason john three sixteen, for god so loved the world that he sent his only son as a person god jesus christ came god sent jesus christ into this world as an individual not only to exclusively show miracles that wasn't what it was all about it was to relate to us as a person as people as individuals in a social arena 
that upset the apple cart, very much so, at that time. And to this very day, Jesus' name is the most censored name in the United States. Which is interesting because you take Jesus out of the schools and all of a sudden the schools are falling to pieces and we don't know why God's not bailing us out of our situation. There was a meme I read one time that said, God, why aren't you allowed in the school? Or, God, why have you left the school? And, and, and the reply was, I'm no longer allowed in schools. In other words, God has been banned. But more than anybody else, Jesus Christ has been banned. But the person of Jesus Christ is the chain breaker, life changer, heart renewer. This is important stuff. Jesus Christ himself came as a person. I believe revival will be in the same way. Yes, it can start online. Jesus' ministry began in Canaan, turning water into wine. Very simple miracle in a sense, and very few people knew about it. But it's the person of Jesus Christ who is known. And that's why it's going to be a person-based revival where people are going to come into the churches, come into the sanctuaries, come to the services, come to the prayer meetings, come to the Bible studies, the special programs, the auxiliaries, the men's group, the outreaches. That's where the revival is going to take place and bear fruit. So my question is, what are you doing to get ready? Folks, listen, we're out of time. We try to keep these episodes to 15 to 20 minutes, but I just want to say, in conclusion here as we wrap up, if you need or want help doing that, I encourage you to go right now to www.lakeshoreassemblyofgod.com. Go right now, and we can help you get prepared, because we take salvation very seriously. We truly believe that God wants to save all of His children. So, how can we help you? Simple. We have adult Sunday school every Sunday morning where we take deep, complete, and guided walks through God's Word so we can grow and learn how to keep the fish bones of false teaching from choking out the Christian walk. We have church services. We stick to the Bible. We have outreaches. We have ministries. And additionally, we are providing right now and ongoing. So there's this is going to be an ongoing program. I don't care if you listen to it later on in the year. But there is an absolutely no charge for this complete discipleship training program that we are offering. So this is a 13-course, again, it's a complete 13-course program, absolutely free, and we really do mean free. And to, and to enroll is very simple. It's going to help you get prepared for, I think, the revival that is coming. And more importantly, well, I don't want to say more importantly, but equally importantly, is knowing the difference between the edifying meat of the Word of God and the bones that could choke out your walk. So simply go to lakeshoreassemblyofgod.com and email us through the contact link or go to our Facebook page, Lakeshore Assembly of God, in Mentor, and simply give us a, a direct message stating that you want access to this teaching and uh, this complete 13-lesson resource on discipleship. And we will contact you back with exactly what to do to get you started. Folks, 
Thank you for listening. I want to say that Christian Snacks is produced under and for Lakeshore, Lakeshore Assembly of God Church, located in Menor, Ohio. Our goal is to whet your appetite. Come to the service to get a deeper, more fulfilling meal. Be our guest at Lakeshore Assembly of God Church, 8880 Lakeshore Boulevard in Menor, Ohio. We are directly next door to the Black Brook Golf Course. And again, we invite you to be our guest here at Lakeshore Assembly of God. At Lakeshore Assembly of God, we believe that everyone is someone, and we know that Jesus is Lord. God bless you. Thank you for listening. Until next time.